Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is Mike Abadir. It is Thursday, September 9th, 2021. It's 4.02 Pacific Time, PM that is, which means that we are just a few minutes away from the very first opening kickoff of the NFL season between the Cowboys and the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks obviously are very worthy participant to uh, you know, usher in the NFL season. The Cowboys, though, is it the name? Because it surely isn't the success on the playing field. We'll discuss this and a whole lot more with our fill-in co-host today, Pop DiBiase. You guys all know him if you listen to the show regularly. He comes on. He's a handicapper extraordinaire. Uh, probably his strong suits are horse racing, boxing, and game lines. So all you sports bettors out there, this should be a nice little treat for you guys because we're going to do exactly what we did last year, which is in the final segment of the show, we're going to give out our point spread plays and we'll have some discussion, some over-unders, best bets, etc. So it'll be a fun time. Today is definitely going to be an NFL type show. And we'll talk a little bit about the MLB races, what's going on with the Dodgers hitting. And I know that's a a team near and dear to Pop DiBiase's heart. We'll start with Pop. Man, first of all, just your excitement about the opening uh, kickoff for the NFL, and then let's get into the uh, Dodgers hitting woes and what the hell is going on over there. They went in with high hopes into uh, AT&T or whatever it's called nowadays uh, into San Francisco, and they came out losers of two out of three and haven't looked pretty good since then. But Let's hold off on that for a quick second. Let's start with the good. What does NFL kickoff mean to you? What is your enthusiasm and excitement level, Pop? Well, you know what? You know, when I was in my 20s, I probably would get real pumped up about it. But all these years of following Bill Belichick, uh, pretty much I've, I'm starting to get his attitude about it. Well, you know, it's a first week of the season and there's going to be a lot of things happening and you know, your the excitement's there, but, you know, you, you really just want to get things started. You know what I mean? The excitement is always going to be, you know, the, we get excited about every single week. But, you know, I should try to keep it, keep things kind of kilter. But what I think about when, uh, with uh, opening weekend is, is that, you know, you got a uh, good, you got, everybody got a chance. Everybody, everybody can dream just a little bit. You know what I mean? For, if you can't dream, for the whole season, you dream for one week. This is every single fan base in the NFL. There's going to be upsets with teams you didn't expect to win, and it's going to give them the idea that hey, they may have a chance to make it to the playoffs. Because regardless of any of, of anything, the NFL is a parody league, and we all know this. And uh, things can change at a drop of a hat, and you know that's what makes it so exciting in the first week of the season. But I would say the first month of the season might be the most exciting part because hey. You know, you lose eight, nine games, you're out. But unless you're in a bad division like the NFC East, but, you know, you got a chance for at least 
eight weeks. You know what I mean, Mike? So, hey, I love it. And then I just love the fact that everybody gets to uh, get their little trash talk on and, uh, you know, just enjoy the game that we all love to watch. And um, I can't wait. I look forward to it. And we got the game going coming on in about an hour and a half. So, hey, everything should be, uh, you know, uh, all the jitters should be gone by the time we get done with this Cowboys uh, Bucks game tonight. Real pragmatist in terms of how you look at this uh, opening weekend and what it means overall. And I agree with you. Obviously, the NFL is all about overreactions on every single Monday following every single game end of the world versus they're going to go on a Super Bowl run versus, oh, their season is over because this player is lost. But the NFL just keeps on trucking, man. Keeps on moving along. Next man up. Baltimore Ravens are going to have to deal with that. We'll talk about that in a moment. Before we get off this very first opening kickoff, let me ask you about the Cowboys. They haven't been relevant in a very, very long time. The star on the helmet carries a lot of weight with it. Forbes just came out with their annual franchise rankings, and the Cowboys are once again the most valued franchise in the whole sporting world and i'm talking outside of the u.s i'm talking premier league and everything else that could be considered a professional sports franchise on the planet earth are they worthy of such attention i mean jerry jones has done a fantastic job always making sure that they are in the limelight in some way that there's some drama somehow some way but man they haven't been winning team in quarter of a century man i mean what gives there's a lot of other owners that make a lot of noise too why the cowboys well i think because the way that the cowboys have presented themselves and the way that the cowboys attacked the tv uh deals that they did in the early 90s and things like that I think sometimes it's just like politicians who pay for a lot of time on TV to have us watch their ads and everything the Cowboys are that type of team I agree with you Mike, the team has been relevant five years, but the thing is when you turn on ESPN in the morning you turn on FS1 in the morning the Cowboys get at least five to ten minutes and it could be about absolute nothing it could be about you Z for breakfast this morning and why it might affect the game down the road and it's absolutely ad nauseum now in my opinion Mike to be honest with you but I understand because I feel like they've kind of payola themselves for us paying attention to them now if we were in another time frame or something of that nature if they treated it like how they treat say possibly say like uh, the San Francisco 49ers you know the Niners are only relevant when they're good so when they're a bad team, they still have a fun fan base, but their fan base kind of knows their place. Cowboy fans, though, not so much. And we've we've witnessed this ourselves, that Cowboy fans could be 0-12 and they still think that they have a big chance to win, uh, the, that, that they're still the, the supreme uno team because who their tra- who their uh, owner is, who the, uh, who the personnel is. And who, where they play at and blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, you got to be realistic with yourself and know that you're not one of the you're, you're just not up to up to par with the way a dominant team should be up to par. The only team that should get talked about in nauseam 
in a sense that's dominated over the last 20 some odd years is the Patriots. And that's understandable if you talked about them every single day because the Patriots have earned the right. The Cowboys have been to the playoffs seven times since the year 2000. We've, we're 21 years in. That's, a, that's, that's, that's not even 50%, uh, Mike. So at the end of the day, the Cowboys, it's a payola situation like we like to call in the old radio game. I'm going back to my old music industry uh, tactics and stuff. So, you know, that payola goes a long way, Mike. Well, it's interesting that you say what you're saying because, well, when you look at the 49ers, I've always felt that they've got a very, very loyal fam- fan base in the Bay Area. They stick with their team through thick and thin. But on a national basis, you're absolutely right. It gets really quiet when the team is not good. Their fans are pretty smart when it comes to knowing their ball club, not so much about knowing other teams around the league. And they have a pretty good sense for when their team is going to be down. And look, let's face it, the Niners have had some really thin years uh, since the glory days. I think the glory days were strong enough that it kind of like has made, it's carried through for a very long time, especially if you're a certain age. It's like they gave you so much satisfaction that you're going to love this team no matter what the heck happens. The Cowboys have provided much of the same, but the difference is this. The Niners, when they had their down years, everybody knew that they were going to be down and was just hoping to find a little bit of improvement and let's look towards the draft. But the Cowboys, since the days of Aikman and Emmett and Irvin and Leon Lett and Charles Haley and those great defenses, a great running attack and great passing game and Novacek and Moose and all those stars, they've had really good players since then too on both sides of the ball, Pop. Right, And they had Tony Romo, Pro Bowl quarterback, lit up the scoreboard for many, many years. More recently, we've got Dak Prescott, very capable quarterback, can move the ball. They've had how many years in a row have we heard about how great the Cowboys offensive line is? It seems like since 1989, every year they talk about how good the, the Cowboys offensive line is. Every few years we hear about much improved Dallas defense. So unlike maybe the 49ers, who you brought up as a comparison, the Cowboys have had the guys to be able to build upon. I think there's one key difference between the two organizations, which is Jerry Jones still feels that he's got a grasp on football and can put together a team on his own with the consultation of some so-called insider experts but that he's going to do it himself. He's going to be the team general manager and build the team. It's kind of like how Al Davis was, Pop, and I know you know that situation real well. And you got to wonder, do these are these guys ever going to see the light? Well, God rest Al Davis' soul. Mark is now taking over. But, I mean, it seems like if Al lived to 200, he was still going to manage that team and make personnel decisions. I know that personally as an agent, Pop, I would I would be talking to Al about third string, you know, third team running back. I mean, he was that involved. Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are that involved. Same thing with guys all the way down to that level. Guys like this feel like they could construct a roster and have it be a winning one. But I think he's got a lot of these fans fooled because I don't think he's got that ability to pluck out talent 
um, that he wishes he does have. Um, and we haven't seen it really since uh, Jimmy Johnson, Hall of Famer. That's kind of my two cents on it, Pop. Well, you know, when it comes to Al, I I don't like to compare the two too much, but the, it does have the same sentiment. But to me, Al Davis, you know, I was a football guy through and through. Jimmy Johnson is a, a oil man. You know what I mean? And I think that I have to totally agree with you on the Jimmy Johnson effect. Jimmy Johnson leaving that franchise has crippled that franchise ever since he's left. Period. Point blank. Is because Jimmy had the right idea. Let me run the football side of things. You do the business side of things. And with a, a, about a five, six year tenure with with Jimmy, you know, J- uh, uh, Jerry thinks that, hey, oh, I know how to do this, too. This is easy. And it's not. You know what I mean? Because you have to understand the game of football, the ins and outs of it. And you can't go off the fact that you was a college football player. You know what I mean? You went in straight into the oil business right after that. So knowing how locker rooms work, knowing how chemistry works, that is up to the football people. And this is why the Cowboys have just really been not what they they've wanted to be over over this stretch of time. Al Davis was good good until he got senile. <laughs> you know what I mean? And pretty much uh so stubborn to the point to where nobody could just all right, it's it's tough to do business with this guy. But he did shine on that last group of guys he did get. And even though they didn't stick around with the Raiders, they all made impacts on different teams in the NFL. That was the significance of, you know, Al Davis, in my opinion, on on that. But, you know, pretty much. Um, but I do understand. I do agree with you saying they're in the same sentiment where it's like maybe you should move on a little bit and let somebody else make the decisions at this point. You know what I mean? But Jerry should have been Jerry should have been out of that seat years ago. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the biggest reason. And that's one of the biggest reasons why the Cowboys have are not going anywhere at this point is because you have your owner trying to be the star of the team. He's trying to be that little, little star that's sitting right in the middle of the 50 yard line. Mike. Hey, and you make some really good problem. points. I mean, look, it's, very hard to dispute what you just said in that the biggest difference between Al Davis and Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is a businessman. Al Davis is a football guy through and through. I mean, the guy came up through Juco coaching and then the SC and then the Chargers and then the Raiders. And he went from every position on the coaching staff all the way up to team owner. Nobody, and I say, and I repeat, nobody has ever done that. He's a Hall of Famer, right? Jimmy uh, Jimmy Jones might end up being in the Hall of Fame down the road, but if he is, it's going to be Hall of Fame for what he did to the business side of football, revolutionizing, you know, being able to go after your own sponsor like Pepsi and how that dynamic can infuse so much money into a franchise in conjunction with having rights over the concession stands and how you negotiate the stadium and how you get the city to pony up for a stadium that you're basically going to own and manage and so on and so forth. That's genius. But his genius kind of stops there. You know, 
if he thinks he's going to get credit for putting together that insane 1990s group of talent, not only does he not deserve it, but it can't. It's not even achievable today in today's game because of the salary cap. That was when there was kind of like the Niner Cowboys wars between the DeBartolos and Jerry Jones, and oh, we want Deion Sanders this year. Okay, let's get him. You know, we want so and so. Let's Charles Haley. Let's pluck him from the 49ers. That type of thing, and you can't do that now. It's not doesn't go to the highest bidder. It's not a MLB type system. There's a salary cap that's made. Uh, with what you said in mind, which is to have this balance, this competitive balance, this parity, um, so that you could see teams go from last place to first place in each and every single year. Ironically, by the way, baseball has seen probably a more diverse set of playoff teams over the last 25 years than even the NFL. So even though they don't have a parity model, you still get teams popping up, winning the World Series, ranging from the Marlins and the uh, Angels uh, all the way to the, the Red Sox and the Yankees. The Yankees, by the way, haven't won it in a, a decade and change. So, um, you know, and we've seen teams in between levels as well. But I guess kind of reeling it back into this opening weekend, my bottom line conclusion is the Dallas Cowboys do not deserve to be in this game tonight. If we were to look at it as a showcase game, a really, really standout game, I mean, I think that there's probably four or five other teams who could make a legitimate claim that they should be the team. Any NFC West team, I would be okay with it, I think, because they're all on the improve. The Saints being a division rival, it's been either the Saints or the Bucks that have won the division for a long time now. They've both owned it. Um, Steelers and Bucks, that'd be a great matchup. I don't know if they line up on each other's schedule this year or not. But the Cowboys, mm, I don't think so, Pop. I'm uh, I'm going to pass on calling this a great matchup. If it wasn't an opening night by itself, probably not a, the matchup that I'd be flipping to first um, on Sunday at 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. Pacific time. Pop, let's take a quick commercial timeout. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about the uh, – Dodgers slump. Didn't really see that necessarily coming in September as they were coming off a very, very, very hot August. Let's figure out what's gone wrong and how they could fix this, how they could right the ship. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back with the Mike Abadir Show featuring Pop DiBiase. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. 
It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. So we were just talking about the Cowboys' relevancy. Let's shift uh, gears a little bit and go back to some uh, Major League Baseball I teased it before the break. We're talking a little bit about the Dodgers. They had very high hopes going into that uh, series with the first place San Francisco Giants. It was a great three-game matchup. That battle went, that round went to the San Francisco Giants. They took two out of three, looked pretty impressive in doing so. The Dodgers had their chances, right? They they had their opportunity to drive in some runs, left a lot of guys on base. The Giants pitching was really good. Walker Bueller had a kind of a rare road bump, um, but he he pitched a dud probably at the worst possible time in the rubber match. And um, here we are, just a, just a few days later, and the Dodgers haven't looked very good. Went into this uh, a very important series on the road to close out the road trip against St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, they're pretty much handled. You know, they've, uh, I think they've had eight hits over the last couple of days. What's going on here, Pop? Well, they started the series off with the Cardinals pretty good, Mike. You know, uh, we talked about it on my show. You know, Pujols was able to hit some home runs, things of that nature. And, you know, they they, they could have won the game yesterday, lost 5-4, to four, and today they lost 2-1. to one. So I wouldn't say too much that they're in a slump or in a struggle. It's just that we're in September now, and the MLB is at that point to where guys are really tired. And the Dodgers were red hot going into San Francisco that weekend as well, too. And uh, pretty much I think San Francisco had a lot of emotional – had a lot. The crowd helped them out a lot, man. They had a big crowd there. The crowd was very in unison. The Friday night game was an absolute classic. Came down to a couple extra innings and everything like that. San Francisco got the win. Then the next day, the Dodgers dominated, won that game. Then the next day on Sunday night baseball, it's a home game. It's in San Francisco. Frisco's the dog in the game as well, too. There's a lot of hype around it. The Dodgers are over here doing cute stuff like wearing brand new uniforms and things like that. And uh, pretty much, uh, you know, they didn't pay attention to what the task at hand was, and they lost. But I think they bounced back pretty well. They, they, they finished even 
with uh, St. Louis, but it gets tough because you got San Diego coming in this weekend uh, over to the ravine. So I think that this is a two-week battle between the Giants and the Dodgers. The worst part for this situation was is winning the series this early in the month. You would have much rather had this at the end of the month, Mike. And you pretty much know that next week the San Francisco Giants could eat games. And this is where it gets tricky at in this situation, in my opinion, when it comes down to your final series of the year when you're in this this close of a race. But at the end of the day, as I keep saying, it really doesn't matter if the Dodgers are a wild card or if they're, or they're the first uh, seed. The Dodgers are going to be in the thick of things when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, and pretty much our championship series is going to probably get played in the divisional series, Mike. First of all, you are fitting Gino's seat perfectly because you sound like Gino now. I don't know how you could say that they're not their hitting is not slumping. They're they're okay. The Cardinals pitching staff isn't that good. All right. There's a reason why they're a 500 baseball team. That aside, what have we seen from their star contributors like Bellinger, Seeger? These guys at the plate look I don't want to say lost, but they're chasing after bad pitches. And more importantly, they're missing on the pitches that they should be hitting. The ones that have made all these guys stars. They're missing on those, right? And I guess the bottom line to me is this. One week ago, last Thursday, they had a half-game lead during the Mike Abadier show seven days ago. They had a half-game lead on the San Francisco Giants. Right now, they're sitting at two-and-a-half back. And... To me, that's not a great sign, right? Because a couple of games, when you're talking about a team that just doesn't show any signs of slowing down, is kind of tough to make up, especially because I believe they don't have any more head-to-head matchups anymore. You could correct me if I'm wrong. But you mentioned, you know, it's late in the season and teams are tired. Well, the Giants are tired and they've won four in a row. And um, yes, you're 100% right. Both these teams are in the thick of it. Both of these things are going to be in the teams are going to be in the playoffs. In fact, ESPN's uh, analytics has each of them as 100% in terms of their chances of getting into the playoffs. So they're going to be there. That we know. Where I do disagree with you wholeheartedly is when you say it doesn't really matter whether they're the one seed or the wild card. Look, man, to have the season that the Giants have had or the Dodgers have had to be playing 624 and above baseball, the best two records in the sport, right? Right there with the Rays, at least the best two records in the National League. The Giants have the best record in baseball. Dodgers are right there neck and neck with the Rays. And then to have to have it all hinge on a one-game playoff? That would be a tough pill for the San Francisco Giants to swallow. And I know the world champs, if they were one and done, because anything can happen in a one-game format, Pop. These guys are one and done. I would say this would be a huge disappointment for the heavy favorites to not just win the division, not just to win the uh, National League, but to win the World Series. 
a one and done would be disastrous. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you put yourself in the situation where it could if you don't play your best ball in September. And that's that's kind of my take on it, Pop. Well, you know, I, I respect that in every sense of the word. And uh, pretty much I'm just saying this because I know that the Dodgers have been here. They have a manager who's been the best manager in all of baseball the last five years. So, you know, I try not to sit here and bite off all my nail cuticles about the Dodgers and what they can do when it comes to a wild card, especially with two teams that are literally like gasping for air right now, the Padres and the Reds, you know what I mean? Because neither one of them want that second spot. <laughs> what it's looking like right now. That's why I'm like, man, Fred, just cancel that that situation, and uh, you know, let's play records. So then you you can have the Giants and Dodgers avoid each other in the divisional as well, too. You know, but hey, you know, I understand where you're coming from, Mike. But my thing is like this: I don't, I'm not worried about it because there's so much more time left in the season, and a lot of things can happen as we get to the end of the season. You know, the Giants got to draw the Rockies this week. The Dodgers got to draw the Cardinals, who are still, believe it or not, Mike, they're still somewhat in the playoff race right now as well, too, for that second wild card spot. Yeah, they sure are. I mean, they don't have a great chance, yeah. but, I mean, they're only a couple games behind the Reds right. uh, who are pretty much uh, what a game behind the Padres. So, you know, if we're going to extend it out just a little bit more, we could also say that the Mets are mathematically still alive as well. They've got a shot. They're sitting there at 70 and 70. But what I envision happening is this. I do have a feeling that the San Francisco Giants are going to seal the deal on this division. They're not going to slow down uh, You know, the, the teams that are um, in their schedule You know, still involve some of the, um, you know, not so good teams in the NL West. I'll pull it up in a second just to uh, be accurate with what I'm saying. But what would happen then is this. If the playoffs are the way that they're positioned right now, then you would have the Padres at L.A. for a one-game playoff. And talk about the NL, an NL West fest. Okay, The winner of that, being the wild card, will play the number one seed which is the San Francisco Giants. So you're going to have the Padres at Dodgers, winner at San Francisco. You're going to get a heavy dose of the National League West to start things off. And the unfortunate thing about that is this. You'd kind of like to see the NLCS be between the Dodgers and the Giants, but that can't happen, right? If those are the best two teams in baseball, that ain't going to happen, you know, the NL West winner is going to, or the NL, the winner of that matchup between the Giants and whomever is going to face, is going to face the winner of the uh, Brewers and the Braves. But the Braves have to make sure that they can hold off the Phillies too. That's the final weekend series, Mike. And Very true. Discount the Phillies. The Phillies are right there, two and a half games back right now. Very and true. And Atlanta can lose three three in a row at any point this month. Okay, so I just pulled it up, by the way. So the Giants have uh, three games against the Chicago Cubs. They got three games against the Rockies, 
three games against the Diamondbacks. So nine games against some of the worst teams in the National League. They have quite a few with the Padres left, though. They got 10 games with the Padres. Imagine that for the schedule makers. I mean, 10 out of their last, what, 20 games. Uh, the only other team that they face is they got three at home against the Atlanta Braves. Other than that, I just went through the whole remaining schedule. That That's that's what they got in front of them. Um, so, you know, if they uh, if they play the, Dodge, uh, the Padres well, then they're going to be in good shape because they've got a lot of subpar teams <laughs> that are on the horizon in their schedule here. Uh Versus, let's just take a quick peek at the Dodgers. You know, they've got some more Rockies in Arizona as well. Um, they've got a, a lot of Padres also, like the Giants. Um, but they also close out with three games against the Milwaukee Brewers. That's going to be the closing matchup of the season. Three against the Brew Crew. The Boys in Blue against the Brew Crew. Either and way, we Dodgers, dice it and slice it, Pop. It's going to be a really, really fun remaining three, four weeks here. I agree. Any predictions before we uh, move on? Well, Who wins baseball, the division, Pop? Unbiased man, uh, opinion here. I'll be dead honest with you. The Dodgers win the division by the end of this month. And okay. it doesn't matter if it's subpar teams that the Giants are playing or anything of that nature. We're in September. And, you know, things are different now. There's even have to be on the lookout with Arizona and Colorado as well. Too, you okay. know? So, you know, I just think the Dodgers finish out. They beat them by half a game. I just think that San Francisco figures out a way to just flop this thing out. Fair enough. I don't Obviously, know. that's, a, that's, the, that's the, the, the MLB race that we're spending a lot of time on because when you look at some of the other divisions, the Brewers have a 12-game lead. Uh, we briefly hinted on the Braves being atop the NL East with the uh, Phillies right behind them, like Pop mentioned, and the Mets uh, just uh, a game and a half off the pace from the Phillies in the American League. Tampa is running away with it. They're looking like maybe the best team in baseball right now, very well balanced and no signs of slowing down. Looks like the Blue Jays are probably going to catch the uh, Yankees. The Yankees had a mid-year mirage. I predicted that they would fade. I think that there were a lot of things that happened that were um, kind of unique to their circumstances and that they would kind of come back to, um, you know, that mediocrity we saw for a lot of the year. Sure enough, the Yankees have lost five games in a row, even though they quickly had barreled past the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox have now gotten a little bit more consistency back, and they are now once again ahead of the Yankees. Blue Jays just a game and a half off the pace, winners of seven in a row, and uh, nine out of their last ten playing their best baseball of the season. In the American League Central, the White Sox have a double-digit lead on the Cleveland Indians. The Astros holding firm. But there is a sneaky team that I think you predicted, Pop, that's kind of uh, under the radar and right there in the thick of things for potentially a wild card spot, and that's the Seattle Mariners. Seven and three in their last Everybody ten. wants to be a Mariner. Everybody, everybody wants to speak about the Mariners now. We talk about this team all year, my Oh, sure have. Yeah. That's why I gave you that credit, man. Yeah, you know I mean, but they're not going to make the playoffs. So, but I don't they, think they will they, either. They, they, oh, go ahead. Oh uh, no, but they've shown that they're they're coming. You know what I mean? They're coming. 
yeah, they got a young up and coming team, a lot of a lot of youth. Uh, this is a, a really a good learning year for them. Good experience to get under their belt. Uh, should be a fun division with the Astros and the Mariners and the Oakland Athletics are always in the thick of things. And then the Angels obviously have maybe two of the best players on the planet on their ball club. Let's see if they could get the rest of their act together. Should be a fun NL, uh, AL West for a long time to come. But uh, I agree with you. I think the Astros hold firm on uh, on the division. They win that division. I think the Red Sox get a slot. And I think it's going to come down to the Blue Jays or the Oakland Athletics to get that final spot. We'll see, though. Maybe the Seattle Mariners make it happen. Maybe the Yankees. But I'm going to stick with the uh, the uh, Red Sox in that first uh, play at wildcard spot, followed by the Toronto Blue Jays. Pop, let's take an early, quick commercial timeout. So that way we could focus on your specialty, which is week one, the spreads, best plays, how they can follow you during the course of this season. Maybe you could give us a quick snapshot on the uh programs that you have for the, really for the serious player i would say i think the casual player as well but i think the the ones that could maybe get the most out of your program are those serious players the ones that aren't playing maybe 10 bucks here and there although they could benefit as well but the guys who are wanting to hit in the four figures on a weekly basis pop dbs is your guy to take you to that promised land we'll take a, a quick final commercial timeout the rest of the way out it is going to be all nfl stay with us we will be right back after this become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america want to play the ponies and win at Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. We are on the eve, not even the eve, we're just minutes away from the opening kickoff, about 40 minutes away before the uh, first NFL game gets underway between the Bucks and the Cowboys because a lot of you folks out there are listening live, but many others are listening uh, over the weekend, kind of on demand. We're not going to spend too much time on this uh, Thursday matchup. A bulk of our conversation is going to be about Sunday the 10 a.m. games out here, West Coast time, Pacific time. Uh, that's where a majority of this weekend's NFL games are going to be going on. And uh, in the afternoon, there's only four games in the uh, 125 slot, but they're all good games. Um, and then and then we're going to have the uh, Sunday night game where the Rams host the Chicago Bears, followed by the Monday night. We're very intriguing matchup. The Ravens open the first time fans allowed Las Vegas Raiders home stadium. So that should be a lot of fun. And that one is called Allegiant Stadium. So when you hear Allegiant, if you don't know what that is, it's an airline. They have some pretty cheap tickets on there too. Not a, they're not a sponsor. I'm not giving them a plug. But that uh, just filling you in on who we're talking about here. Uh, that's the uh, They have the names rights for the Las Vegas stadium. Uh, let's get to the 10 a.m. games pop. Let's just go down the list. The very first one, Battle of the Birds, the Eagles at Atlanta. The Falcons are listed as a, I think the opening line was a three-point spread. Let's see if there's any movement on that. What are your thoughts about that ball game? Is that a game that intrigues you uh, as a fan? Is that a game that intrigues you from a better's perspective? It looks like some books have this at three and a half for the Falcons. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. This game is a, is a game where you're going to see exactly what these teams are going to be made of for the rest of the season, honestly. I know that that's a lot for week one, but we know that Atlanta's struggled at home the last few years, and we know that the Eagles are going through a, I don't know if it's a rebuild, a, a reformation, or whatever it is, but I think that the advantage actually goes to the Eagles in this spot. I think that uh, Hurts will be good at uh, uh, at uh, holding on to the ball, you know, having very, very long drives because Atlanta's defense looks absolutely atrocious in the preseason. I know it's preseason, but they look bad, Mike. They looked real bad. So um, if that defense isn't stepping it up the way that I, you know, that you you would expect them to, you know, early in the season because you got all your guys out there. If that defense looks like how it did last year in the of the season, then the Eagles can go ahead and mark themselves down a very close win come Sunday. Interesting teams. I really don't know what to make of them. You know, I don't know who's going to be getting a bulk of the carries for the Falcons, who's going to sustain that running game. They obviously lost their uh, Pro Bowl, All-Pro, All-World wide receiver in Julio Jones. He's now with the Tennessee Titans. That was one of Matt Ryan's favorite targets. Uh, So they're kind of retooling on the other side. You know, I don't know if it was more the Eagles wanting to move off of Carson Wentz or more so that they believe in Jalen Hurts. Either way, I think we'll get our answer as to whether he's going to be the guy for the future or not. To me, this is a no-touch game 
Um, and I think you actually were pretty spot on. This is going to give us a pretty good indicator as to how dynamic these teams really are, what they're made of, and what we could look forward to for the uh, rest of the season. Let's move on then to the Bills hosting the Steelers. Very good matchup on paper. Um, the Bills obviously had uh, one of their best seasons in a long time yesterday. They were a team that was really good during that same time period we were talking about with the Cowboys. The fans in Buffalo have waited patiently, faithfully, loyally. They are now rewarded with a pretty good ball club. Steelers, every time I think that they're old, every time I think that Roethlisberger is done somehow, some way, Mike Tomlin just keeps getting into the playoffs. Every single year, he finds a way to get his team into the playoffs. The Bills are sitting at a six-and-a-half-point spread the always tricky number of six and a half. What say you, Pop? Uh, you're right that it's a tricky number, but I think Buffalo actually is going to be too much for uh, Pittsburgh opening day. I think that they're going to have one of those uh, fun days over at the, old, at the old Ralph Wilson Stadium. I know it's called New Era Stadium. I like calling it Ralph Wilson, their original owner who – who was their owner until he passed a few years back. So I think that Buffalo has a good chance of beating up on Pittsburgh because I think Pittsburgh, I think that, I think that the uh, hourglass is, is hitting the, is hit is, is almost full Mike. And um, I'm going to stick to that. And I think that Buffalo looks good opening day. I'm with you, by the way, on the stadium naming stuff. I mean, I, I think I've in the last month, I think I've called uh called it up in San Francisco, Pac Bell Park, AT&T Stadium, Oracle, I don't even know. It doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, they don't pay me to to continuously stay up to date on all these naming rights. If you want to call it Ralph Wilson, by all means, man, call it whatever you want. We just know that that's the stadium in Buffalo Park. where the Buffalo Bills play, right? That's, that's all we need to know. And I think I in this game— I remember his Rich Stadium. What's that? <laughs> That's what I remember it as. Rich Stadium. That's what I remember it as. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, we could all go back a ways with all these teams because we've been longtime sports uh, fans uh, in the business, uh, the whole nine. So I'm with you on that. I'm not with you, though, on uh, where you land on this game. I think the Steelers are a little bit sneaky. I think they've kind of retooled a little bit more than people give them credit for. Their receiving core is really, really good. Uh, Juju and Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Uh, they've got themselves a, a running back that they're pretty uh, excited about. And they've always got a defense that's competitive because of the scheme that they play in. I think six and a half is a lot. I think the Steelers kind of hang in this game. Keep it close. I see this game being something like, you know, 27, 24, three or four point game somewhere in that window. Steelers uh, cover. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a backdoor. Maybe they keep it close. But I think six and a half is a little bit too many. I'll take the Pittsburgh Steelers on opening day here. How about a matchup between two? Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'll be honest with you. I ain't going to stay at say. Where do you think it gets to? A lot of people thinking like you, and it'll probably drop down to about five and a half. Okay. Out, well, that's, we hey, look, that's a really good point. Before we get to the no, look, you just made an excellent point. And a quick reminder for those who are, uh, you know, maybe kind of playing and dabbling for the first time or they're a little bit rusty on how it all goes. 
Shop for your lines. That's a point that Gino always emphasizes. The lines you get on Thursday aren't the lines that you'll be getting on Sunday. And it's very good to anticipate or to listen to somebody that knows movement like Pop DiBiase, who can tell you how the line's going to move. So if you like the bills, you probably want to wait till Sunday is basically what Pop is saying. If you like the Steelers, it's probably a pretty good time to, to punch that wager right now and to get every ounce of that six-and-a-half-point spread because the Steelers do have a big following. They have a name that resonates, and they're probably going to be getting a lot of the late money by the so-called wise guys. So very good point there. Appreciate you bringing that up, Pop. Let's uh, move on to uh, a matchup of two terrible teams from last year that uh, both have a little bit of reason for optimism, retooling new quarterbacks, trading, you know, quarterbacks trading sidelines, um, Jets and the Panthers, the Panthers are a four to four and a half point uh, favorites. Haven't seen the Panthers be favorites in a long time. Uh, They also have an intriguing over underline of 44, which in this day and age is actually relatively low. Uh, I believe that that might be the third lowest over under on the uh, weekend card. Let's let's get into this a little bit. Is there a hidden sneaky line here that intrigues you or a side here that intrigues you with this four, four and a half point spread for the Carolina Panthers. Well, to me, what they're looking what they're doing is they're just basing it off of how bad the Jets were on the road. But I think that, you know, that's another one that they kind of have probably, uh, you know, just thrown out there to have it out there and everything like that. So pretty much what I look at in this game is I said to myself, okay, what, what's what's the biggest factor in this game? It's a, I feel like it's a Sam Darnold revenge game, to be dead honest with you, Mike. And I think that um, if they don't get over aggressive and over cocky, the Panthers shouldn't really have a problem with the Jets because the Jets do have a quarterback that is still learning how to be an NFL professional. You know what I mean? Wilson, it's his first game in the league, and I know he was very confident in preseason and all that good stuff, but the Jets don't have playmakers. It's that simple, and that's going to be the problem here in this game, you know, moving forward, and I think that with just having McCaffrey healthy there, he should have a huge day, and it should wind up being a pretty good win. But it wouldn't be anything where I see double digits. This is more like a winning by a touchdown type of game for the Panthers. I think where where the uh, sneaky line here is actually in the over under forty four. Look, the Jets had such a hard time moving the ball last year, and look who they got as their head coach. Right, uh, they got the defensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers, Robert Saleh Salah, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, he is, by all accounts, a very, very good defensive coach. I think that's going to be his point of emphasis because you're not going to be able to go from one of the worst offensive teams to a dynamic offense in just one draft, in just one free agency period. I don't see that the, the, the Jets are going to be able to move the ball that well. They don't have an established running game. They don't have established runners that can move the chains, keep the chains moving. You know, Wilson, we'll see uh, what we can get out of him. I'm not very optimistic. Sorry, Jets fans. Uh, I think the Panthers might be the right side, perhaps, Pop. 
Um, we'll see. I'm not a, a huge fan of their former Jets quarterback who couldn't move the ball, like I was just saying. But I think the team's two defenses are going to make life a little bit difficult on each other. I go under that 44. Like I said, the new Jets head coach is going to be focused on getting things right defensively. And I'd say that that's going to be the play that we should look towards here. All right, we got to keep it moving. We're actually probably a little bit behind schedule here. Let's get to the Jags and the Texans. Perhaps a uh, team featuring last year's top uh, draft team against the following year's top draft team. Well, Trevor Lawrence is finally in the NFL. (laughs) Sorry, you broke up my no, oh, I'm with you. Here. Uh, yeah, he's he's finally there, and you know, um, the, he's given the pressure from Vegas of being a three and a half point spread favorite on the road. Don't see that very often. What side are you on this one? I don't want to spend too much time on this game, especially because look, we got I'm about two minutes very, to go. I'm gonna be very very quick here. Give me the Texas plus one thirty. They had a bad summer, just like the uh, Washington football team did last year, and they'll make up for it and have a feel good story for week one. They're not gonna be making the playoffs. They're not going to the Super Bowl, but Tyrod Taylor gets the win on Sunday, Mike. Straight up plus one thirty. Give I it like to that. me. Yep. Very intriguing. Okay, uh, Titans three point favorite at home against the Cards. Titans money line. The it's Washington okay. former Redskins against the uh, L.A. former San Diego Chargers. Washington one point favorite. Slight upset. Washington football team. Falcons. We already talked about them against the Eagles. Colts uh, hosting the Seahawks. Seahawks three point favorites on the road. Seahawks all day. Niners and Lions. Niners, eight-point favorites on the road against the Detroit Lions. Plus eight with the Lions. I'm not saying they win, but they're not going to get blown out. Jared Goff is going to be proving some things Sunday. My favorite play of the day, the Bengals. Getting three at home against the Vikings. I love the Bengals here. That's my top play. What about you, Pop? Um, I'm going to go with the Vikings here. I think that Joe Burrow is going to be a little timid here. I think the uh, Vikings wind up winning the game. The Kansas City Chiefs, most exciting team in football against maybe the other most exciting team in football, Cleveland Browns. The Chiefs are anywhere between a six to a five and a half point favorites. Well, that's my dog better week. Browns money line plus 210 straight up. Let's get it. Okay. And uh, just quick Patriots, Dolphins, Patriots minus three. I'll take the Dolphins plus three. And then I'll take the Pats. I'll be on the other side. (laughs) <laughs> Packers and Saints. Packers three and a half point favorites on the road against the Saints. Uh, I'm going Packers there. I'm going to go with famous Jameis. So we're on the opposite side of a lot of these, but we're on the same side in terms of having a fun show. Thank you very much for joining us, Pop. You filled Geno C admirably. Thank you for all the listeners out there. Enjoy your sports weekend. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.